Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and all the way from America is Young Bo. <laughs> young Bo. <laughs> you always say Young Bo like I'm like eight years old or something. <laughs> I call everybody younger than me. <laughs> everybody who's younger than me gets called Young. I'm going to start calling you Old David. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Don't rub it in, man. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and uh, as usual, this on our uh, alternate week episodes, we've got... Uh, I wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Oh, well, exactly right. Why Why would you? It'd be madness. So, uh, as usual, we've got, uh, we've got some news, our popcorn junkies, our contest of champions, and uh, Azerothian Times, which is our Warcraft obsession talk, and uh, coming soon. So, Bo, how you been, man? Been doing pretty good, man. This week not quite as busy as the last time I was on here, yeah, but it was still kind of a kind of a hectic week. The Black Friday business, yeah, Black Black Friday business is is long, long gone. So <laughs> it's over with. When you work retail, it really the holidays are kind of like an odd thing because you know, like you want to enjoy the holidays and everybody around you is like excited for Christmas. You know, my wife's about she teaches school; she's about to be out for like two weeks. And then I am just like, you know, I just can't wait for this to be over. Can't wait for this to be over. Can't wait for this to be over. You know, it really makes you like hate the holidays. But, um, but it's, uh, you know, everything else about retail is kind of cool. So get a huge discount. That's the. It all <laughs> works the out one. in the end. Especially, it all depends on where you're retailing. What is Christmas like in Australia? It's bloody hot. Like, the- <laughs> <laughs> so y'all cel- you celebrate at the same time because it would be completely weird if you didn't. Yeah, well, like it would be possible. Well, we, well, we actually celebrate a day a day earlier than you because we're in the future. Remember? Yeah, it's true. True. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, but you, you celebrate at the same time. But it's but it's it's sunny and like summertime. Yeah, it's like thirty degrees. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. That is so weird, man. It's so weird. <laughs> Our seasons are opposite from each other, yeah. But our holidays are the same. I know, crazy. It is crazy, but uh, I don't know. I've gotten used to it. I would like this. I would like a white Christmas. That would be cool. Yeah, but oh, I'm not even that big it, a fan I mean, of Christmas. I think where I live in the U.S., it snows maybe once a year if we're lucky. Most of the time, it snows maybe every other year. Um, but I remember once when I was a kid, and it actually snowed on Christmas Day. I'm sure there's like parts of America and parts of the world that happens every year. Yeah. But uh, in South Carolina, yeah, I can only remember it one time, actually snowing on Christmas Day. Uh, well, so let's start. Let's uh, get it rocking, I suppose, with uh, pop culture news. Uh, so first up with pop culture news, we've got. Um, Something we touched on uh, in our last episode. Uh, so, myself and the, the the other crew, the original crew. We'll call them the original flavor. You're the new flavor. They're the OGs. Yeah. The OG. So, so we touched on Wonder Woman's being cast in the new uh, Superman film or Batman Superman or whatever it's called. She's going to be played by uh, Gal Gadot, who's best known from her work in Fast and the Furious. And what we what we sort of talked about in the last episode is that without trying to sound misogynistic, it's it. We thought it was, well, at least I did. Is uh, is not really the right sort of casting choice based on her physical appearance. It's not because I think she's bad for the role. I, mean, I have no idea. I mean, she's perfectly fine in terms of, and it's, and I'm not saying that I want her to change the way she is for her role. She's perfectly fine the way she is. I just think yeah. that Wonder Woman has a certain look, and so they would be better off getting someone closer to that look. Um, so my idea was to have someone like Gina Carano um, or Gina Torres to to play would be even would would be awesome. Yeah, right. Now, like now, you wouldn't now, want now, Woody now. Allen playing Captain America. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, it's, I mean, and the and the the analogy that we used was that when Christopher Reeve was cast as Superman, even he at first thought, I just I just don't look right for this role, and so he hit the gym and he bulked up, and you know, then he became. You know the the vision of Superman that everybody around the world now has, and the, this version of Wonder Woman is going to be the first version of Wonder Woman that a lot of people are going to see. Because you get, I mean, this is it's not a I don't want to be general be generalizing, but non nerds exposure to superheroes is mm-hmm. through film. I mean, that yeah, is read yeah, comics. Definitely. You know what I mean? So you're going to have we're going to have a generation of girls who are going to see Super, Wonder Woman for the first time on the big screen, and she she should represent. Wonder Woman. I mean, she basically should look like Wonder Woman is looks like in the comics. 
Uh, it's it's, it's I, I'm finding this really really hard to sort of sort of uh, speak about. But one woman in the comics is meant to be the perfect personification of fe- the female form, right? And that is so dangerous. It's it, in in this in this day and age with with these things like body image and stuff like that, and girls thinking they should look a certain way and and all that sort of stuff, and even going so far as to having modifications and which is just it's, it's just insane. And it's it, and. They're in a very. I, I don't envy Zack Snyder's position. He's in a very a delicate position, and so he's so he's cast who he thinks will be will be good for the role, and and that's good. I applaud that. There's nothing wrong with that. But still, the the other the other part of me sort of thinks, well, she still needs to look like the character does. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Am I making any sense? Yeah, I get yeah, you. Okay. I, I so, get you. I think I think like I'm looking at pictures of her right now on on Google Image Search and. I think the face is is right. Like yeah. honestly, the face She's very it depends pretty. on how. Like in some movies, she looks a little different than others based on you know how they've made her up. But like she looks like Wonder Woman in the face. Mm. Um, but yeah, she she kind of has a more supermodel figure. Um, where not that Wonder Woman was you know you know not supermodel like, but she was much more you know uh, like stronger. Like she was yeah. a whole lot more of an action hero, you know, than say, even compared to other, you know, Kitty Pryde didn't have the same body type as, as, you know, Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. Um, so even compared to other superheroes, she's kind of a bulkier, stronger woman than that, you know? Yeah. And what, and yeah, I agree. And what we talked about in, in, um, the previous episode was that, uh, she said that so the, the Gal Gadot basically said that I'm not going to change the way I look, uh, to fit this part, I mean, it's basically just a, it's a fictional character. It's just a part. I'm just I'm going to look the way I look, and you know, bad luck sort of stuff. And mm. part of me, and and I, and I have mixed feelings. Part of me applauds that. Part of me is actually like, well, damn right. I mean, you shouldn't have to change the way you are. Yeah, well, appease, the way she's phrased just, it definitely yeah. makes it sound that way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, why should you change the way you look? And and, and I sort of use the analogy of of uh, Jennifer Lawrence playing Katniss in Hunger Games, and basically she just refused to to lose any weight. And uh, why should she? She's a beautiful woman. She shouldn't change anything. Um, and so, so yeah. So part of me applauded that, uh, but also, but then the the other part of me, the part of me that I, I really hope doesn't sound misogynist, says, well, that's that's not right because you're playing. I mean, like Christopher Reeve, you're playing a part that is that looks different to you, and so you should you know make an effort to look different, like like that part. It's well, it, it almost feels like is like someone that takes the role it like super seriously, like an actress or an actor that would take the role of Wonder Woman or Superman or Batman. You know, you know, there's a lot yeah. of controversy over the pick for Batman. Uh-huh. Um, would take? I mean, I think would take it so far that they would want to look like the character. Yeah, and. And for her to say that it's like, well, I'm not going to change myself for the movie because I, you know, and she's making it sound as if, you know, she's being a good example for women everywhere. And I'm not saying she's not doing that, but she is more like the example of the unattainable body type than she is for the Wonder Woman body type. Like, it, it seems to me like Katniss, you know, the girl that played Katniss, I don't know her name, but J- Jennifer Lawrence, she has a more realistic body type, and yeah. she said, well, I want to, I want to portray that example yeah. uh to to girls and, I, and I, i'm not going to change myself just to to look more like a, a skinny supermodel mm-hmm. you know that's a little more noble than a skinny supermodel saying well, i'm not going to beef up a little bit to look more like my character in the movie you know i mean it's a yeah. little different the way she's worded it yeah. makes it sound the same but to me it seems a little different all right well i'm i'm glad you said that's that's a perfect segue to my next bit so the reason i wanted to touch on it again is because i haven't had your opinion on it and also because now she's actually saying that she is going to bog up for the role. So All she's right. so she's flipped. She's going to she's going to hit the gym. She, um, I haven't I haven't got precise details on what exactly it is that she's going to do, but she is going to try and you know bog up a little bit and sort of change a bit a bit um, for the role. Now, now once again, I don't know. I'm, I sort of flip flop around around a bit on this, but I'm sort of half of me is saying, well, good because you need to because that's Wonder Woman. You know, is is bulkier than you. But the other yeah. half of me is actually now kind of sad. I'm actually now kind of disappointed because it's she's like, really she's, hot the way she is. Well, I mean, well, yeah, well, she's she's very attractive the way she is already. But more importantly, she's basically bowed to public pressure. So the, you know, once again, the internet is is overreacted, and and 
she's basically said, okay, well now, all right, well I will, I will actually, you know, bog up for the role. And even though she originally said that she wasn't going to, so she doesn't want to do it, but she's going to do it anyway. And that is the exact kind of thing that we need to avoid. We need to avoid girls and women saying, oh, I, I'm going to bow to public pressure and change the way I, the way I look to appease the majority. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't really have a definitive feeling about it. I mean, I, I want to. I want Wonder Woman to be represented properly on screen because it's vitally important that she is. Because they're going to, they're going to use that if if it's successful and and it's people react well, they'll use that as a springboard for a Wonder Woman film, and that would be awesome. I de- I definitely I definitely see that that spin on it, mm. uh, and I was gonna I was gonna bring up the idea that do you think it was the the reaction of the internet and you know of podcasts and and things like that you know floating around what's her reason for changing i hope not um i hope i really hope that wasn't i hope it was more like what you said she basically you know sort of looked at some wonder woman pictures and and thought you know hey maybe i better bulk up a a smidgen doesn't have to be or do you think there was any kind of Zack snyder or you know some producers input on it too you know exactly maybe they saw the reactions and said hey you know the fans are kind of thinking you're not really taking this character as seriously as we know you are um, you know, could you, <laughs> do you think you maybe could, uh, you know, make some sort of statement about your appearance towards, you know, Wonder Woman? Like, I don't know. I don't know how to say what I'm saying, but, uh, but I, I think the internet's reaction definitely did play some part in it. And honestly, I was kind of thinking of it in a positive light in the sense that, well, she must listen to, you know, fans of the character. Um, and she at least wants to, please them you know what i mean yeah yeah uh, well that's what i want to do at, at the end of the day i want to put a, a positive spin on it and let's just hope that uh, I, that she's doing it for positive reasons and and we'll just enjoy it for what it is i i mean i honestly think the the reaction on the internet is is a bit overblown i i mean i see what they're saying yeah her body type's not exactly the same but i never had it have not been for the you know the vacuum that is like you know fan reaction on the internet it never would have been the first thing that popped into my head you know yeah i'm just i'm just hoping that she's going to be good as the character i'm just hoping that she's going to bring that to the to you know to the table too i don't think it's necessarily as big a deal as you know people made it out to be it's never a big deal as the internet makes it out to be (laughs) now let's let's uh let's move on to the next item i think that we've pretty much definitively covered that uh, the next item is a uh, young Doctor Who fan, um, Sam Benhennet, has uh, petitioned to rename a newly discovered uh, planet to Gallifrey, which is pretty cool. Um, he's actually start- he started a, an online petition. As of a couple of, about a week ago, it's had 80,000 supporters. So I haven't checked the update now, but no doubt it's got more now that's had uh, international recognition. So it's pretty cool. So it's, the new planet's called... HD one zero six nine zero six B, so uh, Gallifrey is yeah. definitely a step up in name there at least. So I've missed I've missed something here, and yeah, definitely Gallifrey's a way better name. <laughs> where 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 is this planet? Like where where was it discovered? Um, you could just say space. I mean that's fine. I'm just yeah, <laughs> well it's in it's in space. <laughs> well, I didn't want but to be I, mean about it. Um, I know, I was just kidding. No, so I it's was... a so it's a. <laughs> It's 11 times the size of Jupiter, and okay. it has a red tinge, so it's, and, uh, and some rings. And well, what I mean is, this is in a neighboring solar system? How do we discover it? Well, it can't be too far away, but I don't know. It's just the, that's what astronomers do. They discover new stuff. You know the, you <laughs> yeah, know the, know. You know the universe is pretty big, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, big's a relative term. In comparison to, like, you know, a Volkswagen, the universe is very large. <laughs> but what else would you compare it to? Like, the universe is... It's, it's big. It just is. It's <laughs> <laughs> what else would you compare it to? No, no, who knows? Um, it's, uh, it's big. But anyway, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, there's no guarantee that it'll happen, but hey, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like the idea of it. Yeah, I like the idea. He got off his butt and he got something done. And that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done, Sam. So, let's uh, move on. That's it for the news. So, let's move on to Popcorn Junkies.
So first up for Popcorn Junkies, we've got Bo with... The full title, including the teaser, is um, Before There Was Punk Rock, There Was a Band Called Death. <laughs> Sounds evil. There was a band called Death. <laughs> All right, cool. Hit it. All right, so A Band Called Death this is a 2012 documentary. Um, it's on a 1970s punk trio um, called Death. It was an all-black um, punk band. They were brothers. And um, they were from Detroit. Why this is so amazing is because, you know, bands like the Ramones, you know, came in a little after this and were given the credit for, you know, starting punk rock. And uh, this band, who they never played a show. They actually did some um, official, like, real recordings, um, but they never played a public show and they never sold any of these recordings. Um, they just ended up in somebody's attic for like 30 years and um, apparently was like the first punk rock band that had they've gotten famous, you know, they would be what the Ramones is. You would see, you would see high school kids wearing death t-shirts instead of Ramones t-shirts wow. uh, whenever they're trying to look like they're into old punk rock, whenever really they just, they heard Good Charlotte and went out and bought a Ramones shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gee, um, <laughs> a bit vicious there. It starts out with, uh, it's, they've got two of the members of death telling the story of death they were a very poor family in detroit and their their parents were just really like well their father was a preacher and their mother like worked at a mill and they but they were like really supportive of them playing music even though they didn't have a whole lot of money they tried to make sure they could help them buy equipment and you know they gave them a place to practice and they told them like hey like three o'clock to six o'clock that's your time you guys do what you want be as loud as you want and then six o'clock, you gotta turn it off, and you know we're doing normal stuff. So they practiced every single day, and they had all these crazy different names, band names, and stuff like that. They landed on Death because it sounds morbid and kind of like a dark name, but they actually they actually had some sort of like spiritual meaning behind it, and it was like they have this weird little triangle thing symbol thing that goes along with it. I, I don't even I don't even think I can explain all that to you without watching the documentary, but. Um, the three guys in the band, they started playing this music that pissed everybody off in their neighborhood. They said that people would just come and knock on the door and be like, chill out with that noise, man. <laughs> and um, they would get mad at those people, and so they would try to be even louder and even more obnoxious. <laughs> and uh, they, have a, they have a long story about how like one of the brothers ends up getting cancer and passing away, and... And he gives all the records that they recorded to another brother and says, you know, hey, like, the world's going to come looking for this someday. And, you know, they're just, they've already moved on. They're all in different bands now. And they're like, sure, whatever, we'll put it up in the attic, you know. I'm, it means a lot to you, we understand. But they never thought anybody would ever come looking for this music. And they traded a record to this guy in, like, he drew some art for them for their album. And they said, well, we'll give you 50 copies of the album um, just for drawing the cover. And he did. He sold, you know, the 50 copies to different, like, record stores and stuff just through eBay and the advent of the Internet and this new resurgent in the late 90s and early 2000s of people buying records again just because they're kind of a cool vintage thing, you know. Mm. People started buying these death records. And because there's only 50 of them in existence and because it sounds, you know, similar to the Ramones, only it's like 10 years before the Ramones, you know, even like punk rock fans and people that like were interested in Detroit and, and the community there, you know, were buying these things on eBay for like a thousand dollars and stuff because there's only 50 of them. Hmm. And the members of Death didn't even know this was going on. They're all like living normal lives. Like, you know, Death was this thing that we did when we were in high school. Um, the son of one of the members gets his hands on the CD. He, he grows up and becomes a drummer and gets into this style of music. Um, but he had no idea his dad played in this band. He's listening He's listening to the death record, and he realizes it's his father singing on the, on the CD. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so he calls his dad, and he's like, hey, you know, like, th some friends of mine are, like, really into this whole record thing, and they found this, they found this record, and they made me a CD of it, and I've been listening to it, and it, it sounds like you. And the, and the dad's like, was it a band called, uh, I can't remember what he said, but he played in another reggae band, and he was like, is it that band? And the guy's like, no, the CD's called Death. And then 
the father just like had to he was driving on the road he had to stop the car and pull over and he's like you've got a death record like like how how do you have that and um the son decides to make a band that covers all the death songs and they started playing shows and they would tell the story like whenever they would go play a town or something they would tell the story like all this attention that they were getting from you know telling the story and re re um introducing the music um a company ended up buying buys the music from the uh, you know the original members and ends up re-releasing the album and they become like they become famous over this like 30 years after the fact That's awesome. and and then they actually went on tour as death as like 50 year old men <laughs> That's awesome. it was a it's a crazy story man it was a, it was a lot of fun to watch and it's a crazy story like I really like documentaries like this that are kind of just about this one little quirky thing that happens in history, mm. and it's and it's a story you never would have known existed without watching the documentary. On the uh, the Luke Richter scale, I think I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a four out of five. As far as documentaries go, this one's a lot of fun. So it's a good documentary. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. That was cool. All right. Well, next up is uh, me with uh, this is the end. Oh man, I wanted to see that. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. We're now going to tell you all about it. <laughs> so you now you decide whether you want to see it or not. All uh, right. This is the end. Is is both written and directed by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, based on their idea. And the story is is essentially a whole bunch of celebrities, uh, basically all of Seth Rogen's friends, play themselves. And uh, they're at a they're at a party at James Franco's house, James Franco's new house. During this party, the apocalypse hits. So at first they don't realise it's the apocalypse, but that's, that's what it turns out to be. So Seth's invited his friend Jay um, from New York uh, to Los Angeles. And Jay doesn't really like uh, Los Angeles all that much, which is fair enough because the place is a whole. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but they've, you know, they've decided they've, they've sort of they've joined up for a weekend of, 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 you know, partying and smoking lots of drugs and playing video games and all that sort of stuff. Right from the outset, I'll tell you, actually, right from the outset, I'm actually not too sure why Seth Rogen is friends with uh, this Jay character, because obviously, I mean, obviously they're playing exaggerated sort of versions of themselves. They're not like they're exactly who they are. But i got to tell you, this Jay guy is just a whinging prick. It's just so like, really, man. It's like, oh, you've gone to all this effort, stop your whinging, and just enjoy yourself. It's really odd. Like, from the outset, he's a very unlikable character. Uh, but anyway, it's his Seth's friends, so they're together they are. Uh, while they're over, he's over through the weekend, they decide to go to this to to uh, this housewarming party. Jay's not interested because he doesn't like any of Seth Rogen's Los Angeles friends. Uh, but you know, there they go. The apocalypse hits. They get the them and uh, a bunch of other people get trapped uh, in the house. So basically, they can't leave because outside is the world's gone to hell essentially. So um, and all the good people have been taken up to heaven through these really cool looking blue light things. So when it first happens, it looks kind of like alien abduction, uh, but it does eventually turn out to be the rapture. And I'm not spoiling anything there. You'll find that out pretty quick. Um, nobody believes Jay, because Jay's the only person who actually sees the rapture part happen. And everybody else only just sees the howl part happen. So at first they think it's just a natural disaster, but then it becomes apparent that it is in fact um, hell on earth. And uh, the people that are trapped in the house, they didn't get taken up in the rapture. So obviously there's, there's all things that, you know, they're, they're not very nice people. And, uh, and it, that's kind of a hard pill for them to swallow. So Jay basically explains to them what, what the situation is. And they're all, they all, at first they don't believe him, but eventually they, they, they do start to believe him, but they all get really upset because it basically means that they weren't good enough to be taken. And so during their sort of efforts to survive and bickering about stupid stuff. And they're all, I mean, they're all idiots. Every single one of them are idiots. And they're all, they're all very superficial, horrible people. And uh, once again, hopefully it's all exaggerated. And, but eventually they figure out exactly what it is that they need to do to, in order to survive. Uh, I just want to, I just, I won't spoil the ending for you, but it's, um, so it is, it is essentially a comedy and uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's meant to be a comedy. Unfortunately, it's, it's not all that funny in, in quite a lot of places. I do really like how it starts. So it, it's got a whole, like a crap load of cameos at the start at, at this house party, it's including a, just in, a very memorable cameo by uh, Michael Cera from Arrested Development. 
even though I know that they're all sort of exaggerated sort of versions of themselves, I really hope that the version that you see of Michael Cera is true because he's hilarious. <laughs> he's just he's just <laughs> he's just coke addicted. He has no idea what's going on. He's basically a complete arsehole and uh I don't know, part of me thinks that that's actually not too far from the truth. <laughs> I don't know why that is. But it's got so it's got it's got came in from a whole bunch of people. Emma Watson, uh Christopher Mintz Plaza, Rihanna, um Martin Starr, Paul Rudd, <laughs> like a like a whole bunch of people. Uh the main people are James Franco, Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, Jay Burrishell, Danny McBride and Craig Robinson. They're the ones that are sort of stuck in the house and you know get to the end. It's also got a very, very, very memorable cameo by Channing Tatum that uh wow. That's <laughs> just whoa. I don't know how they convinced him to do it, but hey, he did it. Um, so, like I said, it's meant to be a comedy. Um, it starts off quite well, I think. It's very, very funny to start off with. It lags it, around the middle part. It gets incredibly not funny, especially around the Danny McBride um, sort of character. I just, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if the if the version of Danny McBride you see in the film is the real version because I've never liked him in anything he's been in. And uh, as soon as he appeared, I was like, oh, I should have known it was going to happen, but there it is. So the whole whole middle part just sort of dropped down but it picked us a bit towards the end especially the very actual end which is pretty cool although i do have to say i don't know what this obsession is with penises that these guys seem to have it's kind of weird where there's a very memorable scene in your highness uh that review that we reviewed on the show and your highness is actually the only i think i'm pretty sure it's the only film that we reviewed on this podcast where everybody gave it a zero out of five. Oh wow um i never even heard of that Oh, it's an absolute disgrace. And it's, I mean, the rest of the film is, is just boring, but it's just got this one particular scene where uh, a male character gets anally raped by a minotaur with a large, large penis. And once again, in this film, you get, you get to see, well, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but basically a, a character who appears, a CGI character with a massive penis. And not only does he have a penis for no apparent reason, but also because but like it, the penis gets chopped off, you know, through through events, and it's like, why why does this happen? In and, which in which movie? In this movie, this is the end, and, <laughs> and it also has another male rape. It's like another male rape scene. So it's I mean I won't say who who it happens to, but you know what? It, it, yet in another one of these films, there is a male rape scene. And I just I just don't see the point to it. It's not funny. It doesn't progress the plot in any way. It's bizarre. But anyway, what can you do? But um, overall, though, I mean, taking taking out these those uh, weird things, it is it's it's uh, it is actually quite amusing. I, I won't deny it. I was I was watching it on my iPad on the train, and uh, I laughed out loud on a number of occasions. So uh, it's a it's it's okay. It's worth a watch. I give it uh, two looks. Cool. So that was uh, Popcorn Junkies. Coming up next, contest of champions. Ladies and gentlemen. So before we get into uh, this episode's Contest of Champions, I just got, I just got to tell you uh, a little event that happened in the last couple of days or since we last spoke. Um, remember when I said that uh, if Justice League Dark... If we if I get any feedback saying that Justice League Dark should have won instead of the X-Men, I would edit the podcast to reflect that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, no feedback came in about that, about that fight. So uh, that's cool. But what did happen is absolutely brilliant. The uh, the internet has uh, gotten hold of our Han Solo versus James D. Kirk fight, and they're not happy. So we actually have um, we actually have a new person at work, um, and she's awesome. Uh, I can't remember if I actually asked permission to use her real name. So uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go with her professional name, uh, which is Silhouette D'Amour. I can't. I've stuffed it up. I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. Silhouette. We'll just call her Angelo. No. <laughs> what name's not Angelo? No. <laughs> no, no, it's it's Silhouette D'Amour. Something like that. Anyway, that's her professional her professional modeling name. Talking to her about the show and stuff. And she wasn't happy that Kirk won. And uh, she said, well, I'm going to go check this out and uh, give you my opinion. I was like, all right, cool. Just check it out. Tell me what you think. I thought she would just talk to me the next day. But no, so what happens is like that night, she listens to the to the episode and then jumps on her Facebook page and, and basically posts, hey, I don't uh, I don't agree with this outcome. Help me out. What do you, you know, who do you think should have won? I think it should have been Han. 
And then there's this huge conversation, like seriously, like this ridiculous amount of posts from all of her friends. This is all late, late at night, so I'm in bed asleep because I'm an old man. So this huge conversation's going on about our podcast and our and the fight, and they basically and they all basically agree with her, saying that that Han should have won, which is just hilarious. So the, so they just went nuts, and uh, 67 of those people even uh, felt strong enough to to like the New Culture Podcast Facebook page, which is awesome. So it's like, well, we- I, I think it was a bit of a loaded question, though. I mean, she says, I think this is completely wrong. Please give me your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is it is a loaded question. That's, that's, and uh, but they, they, they were welcome to disagree. That's that's fine. But uh, they know they did actually agree. And uh, I just want to read out some of the juiciest bits from the fight because it was hilarious because it just it just went on and on and on. Actually, it's it it starts with, you know, who would win out of Han versus Kirk, then moves on to. Uh, who would win if you included their companions, and then moved on to which was oh, better wow. the which is better the Star Trek or Star Wars universes? Like it went full on. So oh man, yeah, wow. So I'll just read out some of the juiciest ones. I won't mention anybody's names because I didn't ask permission, and I don't like to do that. So uh, what do we got? We got Han being a smuggler is a bit more ruthless. Plus, he was trained in the Imperial Navy. Also, he has that sexy DL forty four blaster, and he's also younger, so he has more of an edge. <laughs> So that's, you know, another Perhan. Uh, another one we got was, with weapons, Kirk would win. Phaser would beat out. Hand-to-hand, Solo, because Kirk sucks at it, as per the evidence above, which is a link to that uh, video. I remember I was we talking about that video where he's fighting yeah. the Gorn. He runs away. <laughs> so it's a link to that video. And you have to admit, that fight doesn't really do him justice. But there's plenty of other scenes where Kirk's fighting where he kicks, kicks ass, so I don't think that's really Yeah, happen. Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, another post was, uh, but with spaceship maneuvers, probably harm because he'd take crazy risks and not care if he dies. Yeah, there's always that joke too, where yeah. it's like the scene from Star Wars where he's like, oh, I know a few moves, and then they show he veers off to the left a little. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he can maneuver up and to the left slightly. Up and to the left. <laughs> he does also have that cool dive move. What about that move? The cool dive move, what movie is that in? That's Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe. It's, maybe. When he fly, it's when the two star, he makes the, he makes both the Star Destroyers crash but, into but, each other. But versus the Enterprise? I don't think the Enterprise has much of a chance versus the Millennium Falcon. Oh, man, come on. No way, man. They got a deflector dish. Jordy <laughs> <laughs> was using that thing for everything. And I don't know. I mean, I know Jordy's not on that ship, but... <laughs> It's, it's the same technology. <laughs> no way. No, you, what? You're seriously telling me that the Enterprise Enterprise A would be able to beat the Millennium Falcon? Enterprise E, uh, I think, the Sovereign class one, yeah, maybe. Because it was made to go up against the Borg. But the Falcon's definitely. faster. I mean, I agree. The Enterprise A stands less of a chance, but I think it still stands a chance. But if you're talking Enterprise, you know, uh, next generation era. Um, or or the Voyager, yeah, you know. Well, the Voyager's different, you see. Voyager's Dunsky. smaller. I actually Dunsky's. think Voyager versus actually Defiant versus Millennium Falcon that would be cool. I think that would. I mean, because I kind of think of it's hard to it's hard to understand the scale of it because I don't exactly know how large. Well, there's scenes with the Millennium Falcon whenever it's on Tatooine, so you kind of kind of can get a scale of it. Yeah. But I feel like the Defiant and the Millennium Falcon are a better match. Yeah, match up. Yeah. We should um, do that. We should but, do that. You know, but the cool thing is, though, Voyager, just based on the storyline of Voyager, gets thrown into a part of the galaxy that's never been charted. You could almost say that it is a galaxy far, far away. You could indeed do that. So, I mean, you could almost make a story where Voyager runs into the Star Wars universe, universe, although, you know... It's still far. It's still a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So I guess it doesn't really match. Up. That can be. That can be the idea for a future thing. We'll have Voyager versus uh, versus in, goes into the Star Wars universe. Um, <laughs> what was another one here? Uh, scenario one: Kirk and Solo conversationally exchanging witty banter. When bam, hand shoots first. Kirk goes down. He's there to spread peace and shit. Hand is a smuggler. He's seen the grittiest side of but, life. Yeah, that's that's true too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I kind of do agree with that. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Han, uh, because of my accent, I say Han, but because <laughs> of, because I, I feel like uh, I feel like he would shoot first. Yeah. And in a in a real life scenario, Kirk is coming for peace, but 
Kirk would also know what he's walking into. He knew he was coming after this guy. Like he yeah. knew, you know, he had like a, you know, Starfleet had sent him a record of like, here's the kind of stuff this guy does, you know? Yeah. No, no, I think, that's, I think that's, he would have been prepared. That's what we had in El Sadario. Han did shoot first, but yeah. survived. Anyway, but anyway. Um, although he did, this uh, this poster does say, Blasters also don't have a, a namby-pamby stun setting. Han shoots to kill. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that that's is true. true. That is true. Uh, and then scenario, this is all the same person. Scenario two, well, fist fight, Han. I'm not going to justify this as I don't need to. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, and then scenario three, Kirk versus Solo spaceship race. Clearly Han would win. <laughs> He's an effing smuggler. He flies his ship all over the joint, in and out of tight spots. He also I mean, says that uh, Kirk is a captain. He just tells other people where to go, and they handle it. Um, he gets points, yes, as he would have at some stage had to rise through the ranks, but ultimately Han has the most first-hand and current experience. I mean, Han, yeah. Han couldn't even stay in... Uh, what, what you said he was in what kind of guard? The Imperial Navy. Imperial Guard, yeah. He couldn't even, he couldn't even make it in the Imperial Guard, so I mean... Well, he left because you he, know, he didn't agree with their... Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. That's what they say. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite one was actually this one. Which is the last one. Don't ask, don't tell. History's written by the winners. Anyway, so my favorite one is uh, well, everything that needs to be said has been said, except for what if the fight was at their current ages? In which case, Kirk would win because Solo would Ooh. just wheeze to death, or Kirk would, <laughs> or Kirk would roll over him. <laughs> now, are they talking about the? That's, that's a funny concept. Are they talking about the actor's age? Yeah, or the actor's age. Character's age. Okay, because the characters they would be like millenniums apart. <laughs> like no, no, there's got to be the characters. So it's, it's William Shatner versus Harrison Ford at at their current ages. I like this game. I like this game. So William <laughs> Shatner versus Harrison Ford. Yeah, I say. I mean, I think Harrison Ford is way more fit than. Uh, oh, way more. But, yeah, like a lot. I mean, more. you saw him in Ender's Game. I think Harrison would win hands down. Oh, I didn't even think about Ender's Game. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't not even, even, not even a contest. Not even a contest. Shatner goes <laughs> down like nothing. Cool. Anyway, well, so I just, I just, I'm just really, really excited that that happened. As, as so, we went from 110 to 170 something. That's just bloody awesome. And uh, just you know, people took the time to to do that is really means a lot to me. And and uh, thanks again to uh, Silhouette. The, it just—it was just awesome. I cannot thank her enough. Very cool. Thanks, Angela. Your name's not Angela. I <laughs> <laughs> um, say so for this contest of champions. Um, and then we did say that, that, that with this one we're going to—we were going to use uh, dice to determine the, rule, the the winners and stuff like that. But I was too lazy and didn't uh, put together the character sheets and stuff. But uh, we'll announce uh, the next time we get to there. We'll also we'll announce how we're sort of going to do it. We're actually going to use. The Millennium Roleplaying System, which is the the RPG system that uh, Richard and I designed about twenty years ago, so um, we'll do that then. But for now, uh, what we'll, we'll just do the, the good old fashioned way. So we've got Paul Atreides from Dune versus Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. So the extended universe version of Luke Skywalker after the in the novels after the films. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Paul. And Bo's going to be Luke. And, uh, one of our listeners actually suggested a scenario for these two characters, which is pretty cool. Uh, he suggested that they're actually in space because they could use they could use their powers <laughs> to stay alive in the vacuum of space, and uh, they would they were leapfrogging around an asteroid field. Now uh, wow. I do I do need to point out that he did have a little disclaimer at the bottom saying let's 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 ignore science for this one. <laughs> let's not make it too sciencey. <laughs> And, uh, right. and we'll have that scenario. Now, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting scenario. Actually, I quite like it. My original scenario was just going to be they just meet on a on a desert planet because they both come from desert planets. They just meet and they have a fight. So mine was actually pretty boring. So I reckon, I, what do you, I, I say, uh, we'll go with whatever you want. Do you, do you want to go with the desert planet or do you want the jumping around asteroid fields? Jumping around the asteroid fields reminds me of uh, the comic Invincible because they used to always fight in space like that. Yep. Uh, so I want to. I want to do that. All right, that's cool. All right. So uh, we won't won't even bother explaining it. But for some, for whatever reason, <laughs> they've got they've got like rebreathers or whatever that lets them breathe in space. How's that? All right. I like it. That's all right. Well, it doesn't. It? And they don't have jetpacks or anything. They're just actually just using the, their own powers to move through space. Mm. Awesome. Cool. All so right. It, so it's, 
Okay, so I'm Paul, you're Luke. So let's uh, let's have a little bit of a rundown of, of their abilities. So Paul knows the future. He has enhanced genetically engineered reflexes, senses, metabolism, and coordination. Can command the sandworms, which means nothing here because he's in space. And he has a personal force shield. It's kind of it's it's interesting. It's basically it can repel it can repel basically any sort of laser blast and stuff like that. But it's no good against slow weapons. So if a blade, so just a very just a basic everyday knife, can get through it as long as it's pushed through slowly. Mm. Uh, but it would be able to block the lightsaber. His most important power is actually a sonic power, where he he speaks a word, and depending on the word, sort of the sort of the connotation of the word, the inflection and stuff like that, depends on how powerful it is. It goes through this box and it gets amplified. So basically, so essentially, he's got. It's in, if we want to talk Dungeons and Dragons terms, he's got power word kill. Huh. Any of the power words, as long as the box doesn't get damaged, it's actually pretty cool. And it's and it ten, and during the course of the book and the film, it, it turns out that his name is actually the most powerful word. It's like a it's a, an insta death sort of stuff, which is pretty cool. So then yeah. we got Luke. So like I said, with his expanded universe, Luke. So he can. He, so unlike Paul, who knows the future, Luke can see the future, but it is imprecise, as Yoda points out. It's not he gets more mem- uh, sort of feelings than anything else. Uh, he has he also has enhanced reflexes, senses, metabolism, and coordination. So they're basically the same there. Although I would I would give Paul the edge in terms of speed, but since we're in space, I, I'd say they're basically perfectly matched. Luke can do mind control with a Jedi mind trick. So that's pretty cool and move stuff around, so Luke essentially has telekinesis. And, of course, he has uh, his, his laser blaster and his most important Jedi weapon, the lightsaber. All right, now, Paul being Paul, he'll attack first. Paul would definitely attack first. He's all about the okay. he's all about the aggression. I mean, he's been bred to be aggressive, really. And, of course, and Luke, Luke, of course, would want to talk it out. And so it was like, hey, let's, you know, calm down and sort of diplomacy and all that sort of stuff. But, no, nah, Paul would just be right in there for the attack. I'm automatically going to try and hit you with a stun, a power word, stun word. So I'm going to try and stun you unconscious. So how does that work exactly? So, so he says the word says into the a word. box? Yeah, well, he says the word and it, it gets fed through a box and then it hits you like a sonic sonic blast. And is the box damageable? Yep, the box is damageable. By, say, your lightsaber. <laughs> well, remember, I've got my shield, though. This is around, That's around me, so you'd have to be able to get through the shield. Uh, could they do some kind of like you know he does like the Jedi Force pushback thing and they do like you know the the two forces collide in the center? Oh, I like it. And and again, like not knowing exactly how Paul works, it sounds like he gets a you know you were saying he gets a lot more powerful towards the end of the story. But yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah. I guess that's important to mention think, is that towards the end he actually doesn't need the box anymore. But at this right. during this fight, we'll say he still has the box. So Luke is strong enough. To hold a miniature black hole in place, yeah, using using the force, yeah. I mean, do you think that do you think that his force push could exceed Paul's voice shout thing? Definitely. Power word. Yeah, I, did, I definitely. I, I really like your idea of how they sort of they meet. So the invisible powers sort of meet in the middle, and so they're basically having a force off. That's actually one of my yeah. favorite my favorite scenes is uh, Revenge of the Sith is when Obi Wan and Anakin are fighting. Finally, you finally get to see the Obi Wan Anakin fight, and they have a they have a force off. <laughs> they're like they're holding, they're trying to force each other to to death, <laughs> right right in the middle of the fight. Remember that bit? Yeah, yeah, that's dude. awesome. I cheered in the in the center of that bit. I was like, yes, <laughs> that's awesome stuff. I may have peed a little. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely did, but uh, um, um, but they, I, I'm definitely seeing a lot of force offs in this in this battle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the force off thing adds a new element because this is in space. Yeah. You know they're not standing firmly in place. I mean, if they force, if they you know force off each other, they're going to push back, and without any kind of gravitational pull, they're going to keep floating like in the movie Gravity. You know. <laughs> yeah, but then they use their own abilities to move forward again. So I guess that's sort of well, offsets not- that. <laughs> Remember, we're not thinking about the science of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the coolness. I try to look at. I, here's the way I do this every week is I try to weigh out all the different abilities and weaknesses versus the opponent's abilities and weaknesses. And then I try to find a way to make my character's weaknesses a benefit somehow. Like I try to find a way to use a weakness for the win. Yep. And 
these two are so evenly matched. I mean, I mean they're like perfect opponents for me to each other. I totally agree. Um, I think this is this actually this, in terms of matchup. I think this is absolutely uh, this now, is the fight I would want to see. One of the most interesting things, though, I think is um, so one knows the future. Paul knows the future. Yeah, and Luke can see the future. Yeah. The the difference that that says to me is that Luke can see sort of a potential future, like this may happen, but my knowing it changes the course of events, so it probably leads to something else unless I want that to happen. Whereas Paul is more at like he sees what's going to happen and he's more a slave to it. Yeah, it's kind of the way I imagine it. You yeah, know? no, you're, you're totally right. He's, I mean, it's the whole scene that's knowing the future business really doesn't really help him because it, it, there's a couple, there's some quite horrible stuff that happens to him, and it sort of gives him a bit of a uh, a bit of a death, a death wish. Like he doesn't actually want to want to live and experience the things that he knows is going to happen. Mm, um, yeah, and he also gets a bit tired about. It. He gets he gets a whole religion built around him at some at, at towards the end there, and he sort of gets he gets tired of all that sort of business. Whereas Luke, yeah, Luke, as as Yoda explains, Luke it, Luke's ability is more flashes and emotions of the future. He doesn't really see see mm-hmm. it very clearly. And, and so I'm thinking that Luke might could use that to his advantage, where he could kind of see, you know, what Paul might do, and, and know how to counter that. Whereas Paul might see that he loses. <laughs> yeah, and then and then he just has to go through with it. But he might see that he wins too. I mean, the thing is, is whatever Paul sees is is concrete, like it's going to happen. Well, I'll be honest you know? with you. Actually, I think I think Paul loses. I'm willing to concede concede defeat in this, I, in I this wanna, fight because it's just, I'm so curious. I want to know how. Yeah, well, so I mean, it's it's so close. The Force is more powerful. Like the Force binds the universe together. And Luke, mm. at this at this stage of his development, is more powerful than any Jedi has ever been. So it's, I mean, I mean, he holds black holes in space. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. It's, so I actually think that Luke using the force because the lightsaber can't get through the shield, but the force can. So Luke uses the force to crush the box and deactivate the shield, and then just knocks Paul, not Paul, unconscious. Oh, I see. If we're going with the part in in Paul's story where he has to use the box. Which you, you did say that. Yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about the fact that a force could go through the, the shield. The shield only blocks... Um, physical. Well, thing. you said, yeah, physical. Like, yeah, so, I mean, it, w- it couldn't block that. Um, because, oh, this is an interesting way. I never thought about it like this, which mm. I think you actually were describing this, and I just grasped it for the first time. <laughs> but because of the whole metachlorine thing, and because the force is what binds the universe together, like you were saying... Yeah. It actually exists inside the shield. Like That's right. because part of the material like you're not actually like I was kind of thinking of the force as like something that that Luke shoots out of himself, but it's it's not really that. You know, he's bending space um at his will, you yeah. know? Exactly. So I mean, yeah, it even exists inside the force field. Mm. You got me? That's some so yeah, basically, so then, the lightsaber the lightsaber is useless. So Luke using using the force in in, in a form of telekinesis sort of deal destroys well, all of Paul's weapons. Paul's like, well, what else have I got left now? And so uses yeah. try to use his his fighting abilities. I actually do think Paul in just a pure hand to hand combat is faster, stronger, and better than Luke. But yeah. by that by this point, Luke has now got him on the ropes. So by the time Paul even gets to Luke, Luke's already knocked him out. Like force choke, down he goes. Definitely, and, and I didn't even think about that's where these that's where these two differ. Is this was almost a draw, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would have to agree that Luke would win in the end. I think. So you won it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound too excited. <laughs> you kind of well. You, I, I think we kind of mutually won that one. You kind of won it for me. <laughs> I do want to point out that at some point during this fight, when I was imagining this fight, that uh, because they're in an asteroid field. That that space worm from the asteroid field appears, mm-hmm. and Paul somehow uses because Paul can control the sandworms from Arrakis, yeah. so he controls. How different the, can worms be? Yeah, yeah. exactly. A worm's a worm. <laughs> let's face it. So he controls the worm to try to attack Luke. This is how I picture it in my brain. This is how nerdy I am. So he controls this worm, but Luke, Luke being Luke, I mean, if he take down a rancor, I can take down a space worm. And so, yeah. so the space worm swallows Luke. Luke cuts it to pieces in the inside, escapes. The fight yep. continues. How cool is that? I, I that. was going to say the same thing. I was <laughs> going to wait for you to finish your statement. Then I was going to be like, what if the worm ate Luke? And then yeah. this light starts glowing from the center and he gets out. He's <laughs> slicing it up. 
that's it. That's awesome. There's just bits of space worm floating around. <laughs> <laughs> it would take him a while, though, when you think about it, but the space worm does actually swallow the entire Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, but you see, you see, like, Luke, just from the inside, could just keep expanding... You know, inside of him, just expanding the force, making a big force bubble until yeah. the the worm just oh, fills like up. That. Force I like that. Force force up. bubble business. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that looked awesome. So I think this is actually one of our, our most visually stimulating fights, especially the. Uh, so I just so a huge thank you to uh, Nick who suggested the scenario. So uh, that was an oh, awesome. This was a this was a fan suggested one. Yeah, yeah, I told you that at the start. It was a fan suggested scenario. I don't listen to what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not shocked? <laughs> yeah, oh, so awesome, um, yeah, so one of our one of our listeners, Nick, actually suggested this scenario because, and uh, yeah, which I thought was awesome. So I want more of that. I want more. I, I, I not only not only do I want you know versus like who's going to versus who, but if you can think of you know cool scenarios for where this fights would take place, that'd be awesome as well. That'd be mad. Yeah, that's the way this should go. Is we should be answering your versus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, who, who, the, who do you think? We're the mean? final say. <laughs> <laughs> so that was um, hero versus hero. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, that was Paul Atreides versus Luke Skywalker and uh, Luke Skywalker victory. Give us send us some feedback. Let us know. I'll tell you the details at the end of the show. But let us know who you want to see go up against who, and uh, we'll do it. Agatha Christie versus Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll announce it on the Facebook page who it is, but it won't, it won't be that. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes is a boxer. You just punch her in the face and the nose at the end of it. <laughs> what do you come up with these things? <laughs> uh, we'll wait for some feedback or we'll think of one for ourselves and we'll announce it uh, on the Facebook page. So coming up next, we've got Azerothian Times. Cool. So just for, for Azeroth in times, I've got I've, I've got a couple of things just I uh, want to briefly talk about. Won't go too long. Uh, there've been there's been a uh, patch last week, and uh, it's a, it's a smaller patch. Uh, it didn't do too much, but what it did do is uh, really really cool for me. Uh, Server wide mail is now active, which is is uh, this actually active now? It's active, man. I was using it this oh, morning. Man. Oh so man, I got to do this. It is cool, dude. So I've been sending uh, timeless Isle stuff. Around and uh, heirlooms, Brent. I oh said, man, yeah, I heard about this, but I didn't know it was already. Yeah. It was like, like just last night, I was thinking, man, I can't wait till that server wide mail comes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I could have done it. It is in. It is in. Finally, it's it's finally happened. So it's only bound bind on account stuff. Uh, so anything that's bind on account can be moved. No, nothing else can. So, I mean, obviously, soul bound can't, but just normal stuff can't. No money, that sort of stuff. Uh, and what you do is you actually put in your characters, and it's also cross faction as well. So uh, alliance can send to horde and vice versa. What you do is this in the mail uh, thing, you put the name of the character with a hyphen, no spaces. So character, it's hyphen, and then their realm name, and then it'll automatically uh, know, and then you send it off the way it goes. So tell me this. Tell, just be honest with me now. All right. Yeah. Have you ever transferred a character? Just so that you can put your heirloom gear on a specific server. Yep. <laughs> yep. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I said I transferred a character so I can send a whole bunch of gold and uh, and like mats, I, including heirlooms. Yeah. Yep. Like I, I do it like regularly. <laughs> I wish you could mail gold to yourself too, because yeah. I would just consolidate all my gold <laughs> onto you, one character at a time. It would be awesome if you could do. If you could do gold, but oh, well, I'm, I'm happy with the way it is for now. So now, well, now, um, so following up from that is, uh, I was so excited that I actually tweeted uh, on the New Culture Podcast tweet that we could actually now do uh, server wide mail, and uh, Blizzard AU, so Blizzard themselves saw that, favorited it, retweeted it, and started following us. Nice. What's up, Blizzard? How's up? <laughs> I'm saying, hey, what's hey. up? <laughs> that's cool. I know you're listening now, so I'm. So hopefully they are listening. So that's pretty cool. Oh, and they actually replied and said, uh, and they said basically said the same thing you did. Is like, so start sending those heirlooms, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but uh, ever since then, every every post I've done that's been WoW related because I've done a couple of posts since then on battle pet fights. I've done um, how to level a battle pet in five fights, and part one of my articles on beating the celestial tournament uh, hold, is, on, hold on 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 you said in how many fights five 
in five fights, you can level a pet to what? Well, technically, you can actually level you can level a pet from one to twenty five because that's as high as they go in four fights. What? Yeah, serious. This this cannot be possible. <laughs> okay, well, just very briefly, I don't. I mean, it's basically check out the website so you can actually read it. But uh, what it is is. Basically, there's a whole bunch of trainers scattered across Pandaria. So if you fight them, you get a ridiculous amount of experience for your pets. You have two level 25 pets and just your one level level pet. And during the fight, you just all you have to do is just swap your, your little level one uh, pet in just for one round. They don't actually have to do anything. They just have to ex- survive a round, essentially. So you put them in, and then you swap them back out again straight away. And then they still get the same amount of experience as they would if they actually fought for real. Um, and, wow! And you just and to but to make it work though you need to have the reason mine says from one to twenty three so it's level one to level twenty three in five fights um, is because all I'm using the safari hat which is uh, a free item that gives ten percent experience increase uh, but the reason you can actually do one to twenty five in four fights if you use uh, a food item that drops off the legendary pets so there's. Uh, there's like creatures toted around Pandaria as well that are basically legendary versions of of the creatures from that region. And if you fight them, um, they work like a trainer battle and you can get uh, these little pet treat things, their little food. And if you eat those for an hour, you get plus 25 and plus 50% experience gain. So it's a lot better that way. I might actually do some pet battles now. I'll have to go follow your, your guide. All right, cool. Follow my guide and, and let me know how it goes. Yeah, def- I definitely will. I don't, I don't, I don't even have a single pet level to twenty five. Right not- now, I'm kind of getting into the whole like meta game stuff that I kind of missed before, like the farm thing. And I leveled up cooking. You know, I've never leveled cooking on any character ever. Well, that's awesome because you've. I mean, you've you and I have done some uh, instance runs where I've grabbed the pets because you just didn't care at all. But now that you, <laughs> if you are actually interested, we'll have to do those runs again to get. Now we we'll have to roll for them. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll have to get. Well, no, well, I don't need them now. I've already got them, so we'll do those runs again and we'll get you those pets. Yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah, hey, awesome. you know I am a transmog junkie though. I'm always I'm always running the old runs because I, I like the uh, the old looking gear. Yeah, and uh, I want to I want to do the ones where you get the Time Lord the Time Lord gear. I want to get that gear because it says Time Lord. Like I feel like I'm the Doctor if I wear that. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I, I wanna, <laughs> that's I the only reason I want it. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do all the work because I want the the mount the dragon that you get. Freaking awesome. So, yeah, I like I like mounts too. Although I don't seek them really, I'm thinking about buying that uh, Fey Dragon though. It's ugly as hell. <laughs> no, dude, that thing is cool, man. It's, I mean, it's I'm, cool. The changing color I'm, thing is cool, but the the head. I'm on buying it that right hard. now. Like literally, I'm gonna go to the website right now and buy that because I just got paid. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> this guy. Awesome. So that's it for Azerothian Times. Coming up next. Coming soon. Okay, so coming soon is where we talk about the films that are coming up in the next week. Uh, in Australia, we're only getting one film. On December 19, the only film we're getting is Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, which is uh, pretty cool. And so coming out in American cinemas, we've got... Actually, Anchorman 2 comes out here December 20th. Oh, there you go. Cool. Um, American Hustle. Uh, awesome. That preview looks pretty crazy. I don't know what it's about. Yep. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Do you know, you know about that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a sequel to Saving Private Ryan, right? No, no it's not. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's about uh, the author of Mary Poppins going to meet Walt Disney because Walt Disney wants to film the Mary Poppins film. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's kind of it's almost like a meta like remake, you know. But it's got you know it's got a different story that involves the original story, which like is probably a good way to do a Mary Poppins kind of remake. Because how would you actually remake Mary Poppins? Without just making the same movie again, and then you'd have like a faction of people that's like, well, did it really need a remake? It was much more whimsical the way it was. I don't know. Yeah. So this is probably the right way to, to do something like that. But that's that's what that's the big titles coming out this weekend. That's uh, it. We also have Walking with Dinosaurs 3D, but I think that's just an IMAX uh, um, movie to take your kids to, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, for nerds of all ages to go see. Awesome. Well, that's finish up. That's episode 70. Don't forget you can uh, check us out on the website, www.nerdculturepodcast.com. Uh, email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook and like us. Goddamn Facebook page is awesome. At uh, facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast or Twitter at, at nerdculturecast. And you can Skype us on nerdculturepodcast. 
There's so many ways you can contact us, it's insane. And don't forget you can also rate and review us on the iTunes. More importantly though, we've got our Amazon affiliate widget where you can buy things through our widget. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra. We get a cut of the profits. And uh, you can also don't forget you can also hear more of Bo and his uh, lovely radio voice at ECN Radio. Yep, ECNRadio.com. That's it. And if you want to hear both of us uh, doing our, our awesome repartee, you can do that on Film Flams, which is www.filmflams.com. So that's episode 70. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Bo. A band called Death. <laughs> Bye.